everybody, and we are back for our ninth episode of Stolen Homes. And uh, hello, Baba. Hello, Olympia. Hi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> um, so we're going to get right into it. Today we're going to talk about uh, the visit that Baba had going to Turkey, actually, in 2001. One. Yep. May of 2001. Yeah. And um, we're going to talk about that and kind of that experience of going to Turkey uh, knowing that we were in Cyprus, we were living in Cyprus at the time, and uh, how Yaya felt too is a big thing because <laughs> I think she was not ready for that. Um, anyway, so we're going to jump right in. So, Baba, tell us how you got to Turkey and why. Um, I was invited by um, uh, a friend, a professor from uh, Canada who uh, who is at the... Uh, he just retired from the... Uh, it was Nazarene College, they called it at that time. Today they call it Ambrose University of Calgary in Canada. And um, and he, uh, my friend Charles Neil Girkin is his name, he uh, he does these trips, uh, educational trips around the world, uh, mostly to, uh, mainly, ma- mainly to uh, Middle East countries. And he tries to find uh, the roots of Christianity and, and all kinds of things. So the trip to Turkey was uh, a journey following in the steps of uh, St. Paul. Oh, okay. Starting in Antioch and then going through the entire, well, most of the the places, all the places that St. Paul went to and many places that he sent letters to, the seven uh, churches of uh, the Book of Revelation, oh. uh, Patmos, uh, um, and then we ended up north in, in into, into Constantinople, Visited the Hagia Sophia, took a boat mm-hmm. ride on uh, the Bosporus, etc., etc. It was very, very one of the most amazing trips. I How took. long was that trip, though? Seventeen days. Oh wow! Okay. Days, <laughs> it was the longest I was away from the family, so yeah, that was uh, that was a long trip. trip. Yeah. Yeah, and this was in two thousand one. We we were still living in Cyprus. It was right before we left. Yeah. Uh, it was in May before we left. We left in July, uh, but uh, this was in May. So. Uh, it was a very, very good trip uh, in so many different ways, and uh, it was good for me in so many different ways, emotionally, yeah. spiritually, uh, and academically, too, and uh, visiting those amazing places. Uh, you know, the thing that I verified or realized at some point uh, in a very big way was how Greek Turkey is. Hmm. Okay? Turkey is... Um, what, what is Turkey today used to be called Megali Elas, hmm. the greater Greece. I didn't know that. Uh, because there were hundreds of colonies uh, of the Greeks along the coast and in, in the inland too. There were uh, Greek-speaking Greek colonies from before Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great went through that and kind of uh, subjugated everybody, told them everybody to be under his him himself. And uh, we went to one of the cities that refused to accept his rule as the emperor, as the great king, uh, which, of course, everything is in ruins today. Yeah. And, of course, every, everywhere, uh, then the, all of that land became Christian. So there are ancient uh, ruins uh, side by side with, uh, with Christian churches, ruins of Christian churches today. Wow. And, um, and in some places... Uh, uh, like um, like the more recently um, destroyed uh, cities where uh, Greek-speaking Christians were living, 
um, like um, primarily the coast where they mm -hmm. were expelled in 1922. Okay. Uh, those still have the names of uh, the Greek people on the homes and um, and the churches are destroyed, of course. Yeah. It's, it's a, it was a very moving time for me. It was really emotional, very emotional and kind of uh, my heart was broken going through. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I was faced with uh, the Turkish people. I was encountering them every day. Yeah. And uh, most of the time, they were very kind. Uh, I say 99% of the time, were very kind, very <laughs> polite, and mm. very hospitable. And wow. uh, in Hierapolis, uh, <laughs> I remember we arrived at the hotel late in the evening, and uh, the... They, they put a table for us. We're about 30, 32 people. And you were people. dressed, you're a priest, obviously. You were dressed, dressed as a priest. A priest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that whole time, that yeah. whole trip. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and the Turkish uh, the chefs came out of the kitchen with Greek flags. And, <laughs> and they put them on my table, you know, next to the Turkish flag that they had. Aww. So it was, it was very interesting in those ways, you know, kind of very, very uh, beautiful uh encounters with some kind people but uh, but before we went that was the most interesting thing that happened is before we went that uh, when my mother found out that I was planning to take this trip <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> she was very upset she was scared yeah she says no you're gonna they're gonna kill you you're gonna die yeah <laughs> she really thought they, they were gonna hurt you yeah, yeah yeah and but and I was very concerned too because I wanted to make sure that uh, they will accept a Greek priest a Greek-looking priest, you know. Exactly. Uh, that they haven't seen properly because there are some places like Constantinople, for example, for a long time, the British, uh, the British, the Turkish government forbade the priests to wear their uh, cassocks and look like priests. Mm. Okay? And they forbade all of the religious leaders to do that. Okay. Okay? Including the Muslims. So this is Ataturk's uh, laws that uh, of making the Turkish society secular mm. and in forbidding... One, he had to forbid all of them, so he kind of okay. removed the rights from clergy to wear clergy clothing in public. Um, so that was, so my mother was very concerned, and uh, uh, and I and I checked with the agency. I asked uh, the university to check with the agency that was hosting us and taking us around if that would be a problem, and they they guaranteed for me that there would be no problem. And there was always a Turkish uh, guide with us, and. Okay. And our plan was, I mean, our uh, itinerary was kind of officially approved uh, by the authorities. I don't know exactly what wow. it was necessary, but it was a, and, and so I was, I was comfortable at that point that uh, there, was, there was no danger, but my mother was very scared. So <laughs> then I had to go get permission from the Archbishop at the time, Archbishop Chrysostom was the first um, to get permission to leave. And, yeah, and to leave Cyprus so you could go. Yeah, right? and yeah. Uh, take uh, you know up, uh, <laughs> permission to be absent, and um, he looked at me and he says, "Turkey, <laughs> what are you gonna do in Turkey?" <laughs> so I explained to him the trip, mm. and uh, and he 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 was very gracious actually. He even gave me money for my expenses and kind of uh, that was nice. Helped me out in that way, oh. and and then he says, "Okay, one thing." One thing, it's okay for you to go, but you have to wear your kalimavki, the, yeah. the priestly hat, everywhere you go. 
<laughs> okay. And I said, okay. So I had my gallimuffin with Deal. me. <laughs> I wore it most of the time. Not, the, not, the, not every day, but I wore it the, most of the time. I mm. had it in the bus with me all the time. Oh. Uh, it was very interesting. Um, yeah. How did you feel when you were when you were there? I mean, aside from being kind of heartbroken over some of the things that you witnessed, but did you ever have any thoughts about what happened in Cyprus while you were there? Did that ever every confront- single day? Yeah, every single day, the thought of what had happened to us in Cyprus was going through my mind, especially seeing um, uh, the destroyed uh, towns, abandoned towns that were uh, abandoned. Uh, in 1922, when the exchange of population happened, and mm-hmm. and even before that, the uh, Turks destroyed uh, some of the cities like Smyrna, for example. Uh, I I went up to the castle of Smyrna during that visit, and I, um, I my heart cried, and and uh, Charles asked me to sing uh, the song of uh, Izmirna Manakegede. Oh, Izmirni, I, th- Ma- I know Ma- that Kegde. song. Yeah. Uh, Zmirna, Zmirna is being burned. I would have cried if and, you sang uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. There were tears in my eyes for that. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a wonderful encounter in uh, Antioch, ancient Antioch called Antakya today. Hmm. There's still a Christian community, a very small Christian community. Antakya was taken by the Turks uh, in 1939, if I'm not mistaken, um, and, and added to Turkey. Uh, taken from Syria, um, and um, and the the Christians fled, including the Patriarchate of Antioch that was there at the time. They left and went to other places, and and the Patriarchate went actually uh, to the capital of Syria. Okay. Um, to and establish itself there. Um, since then, and they built the huge uh, patriarchate uh, building and they're yeah and they're there but hmm. but there's still a church and the church of St. Peter and Paul an ancient church a very old church uh, built with stone and uh, there's a small community of maybe 500 souls uh, Antioch had more than 50,000 Christians and now it has more wow. less than 500 oh wow uh, the priest was very old um, probably in his he looked very old. He was probably in his mid-80s at the time. Mm. And he was hardly able to serve the liturgy. And the chanters were, most of them, quite old. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing for me in Antioch, I was there for a Sunday morning liturgy on the Sunday of Thomas. And it was the the Eastern period, uh, Easter period, the, the celebration of Pascha, Sunday of Thomas, right after Pascha. And they were singing the hymns of Pascha during the Orthros, and they knew them in Greek. Oh, wow. So they, they sang them in Greek, and then they would sing them in Turkish. Um, Can you explain what Pascha is really quick for the people who don't know what Pascha is? Uh, the celebration of uh, the resurrection of Christ, uh, Easter, Easter. we call it in the West. Yeah. So so this is the, the Paschal season, as we call it, which mm-hmm. we sing all these resurrection hymns mm-hmm. that we only sing during that period. Yeah. And these older men, they could sing in Arabic because they were under Syria and they became Arabicized. Yeah. But they could, also, they could also sing in Greek from Turkish characters. Hmm. And then they would sing in Turkish as well. Wow. And then they read the Peso reading and the Gospel reading both in uh, Arabic as well as Turkish. Okay. Um, wow. 
And, and they were very uh, welcoming to me when they saw me coming in. They had no idea I was coming in. I didn't they know who I was. It was probably the first time they saw an Orthodox priest um, yeah. walk into their courtyard <laughs> of the church. And this is the ancient side of uh, where Peter and Paul confronted each other, or Peter confront, Paul confronted Peter, actually, for his in, in, uh, decisiveness with regard to circumcision. And, mm. and so they, there's a church dedicated to Peter and Paul. There. That's so interesting. So this goes back uh, 2,000 years. You know, yeah, I mean, centuries. Christianity, centuries. <laughs> Christianity began in, um, in Antioch. In Antioch, yeah. yeah the, the name Christian was given to the Christians, to the followers of Jesus, in Antioch. Mm. And Antioch was the center from where the expeditions, the missionaries started. And so was, uh, so Peter was there for the longest time. Hmm. And Paul started from there, and he was sent by the apostles okay. uh, to uh, spread the gospel to the Gentiles. Didn't he come to Cyprus too, St. Paul? his first trip was from Antioch to Cyprus. To Cyprus. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, That's cool. So Antioch is a very important city in that sense, and uh, because the, the apostles could not stay in Jerusalem because the Jews were, were persecuting them right. in Jerusalem, so they left hmm. and made Antioch the center of their missionary activity. Wow. So St. Paul is sent out from Antioch. Uh, to do his journeys, and the first one was to Cyprus. Wow. So we went to the port where he left for Cyprus. Oh, my gosh. Um, which is uh, quite far from Antioch itself. It's down by the sea. Of course, the the boundaries have shifted. The, the, uh, there's, more, there's more land now because the rivers have brought uh, soil mm. and kind of filled the, the sea. So there's a lot of... Uh, uh, land that was created, hmm. uh, probably four miles of land wow. that was created, two to four miles of land, depending on where you are, from the rivers that wow. bring the, uh, the soil from, from the mountains. And um, anyway, so, um, so Antioch was a moving moment for me, meeting a Christian community, an Orthodox Christian community, worshiping today. I attended the Orthodox and the liturgy on a Sunday morning, uh, and they and they were and they were chanting in uh, Arabic, Turkish, and Greek. And I was amazed. I, I sang with them. They perfect. I mean, as if, <laughs> as if we grew up together. Aww. It was so close. Wow. I mean, That's I felt really so powerful. close with them. Yeah. Yeah. And so then cool. we went out uh, to the square of the city waiting for the museum to open up. And a group of young men, teenagers, about 15, 16 years old, they came out. They saw me as a priest. They came up to me. And they asked for my blessing. They were all Christian kids. Oh, wow. So I wanted to tell them, why weren't you in church this morning? But, no, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's uh, funny. <laughs> but that was so moving. I mean, the, the students that were with the group and the other people that were with the group, they were amazed to see these young kids approach me and ask for a blessing. And I would bless them Aww. as a priest. You know, they kissed my hand. Yeah. And everybody was looking at us saying, what's going on here? You see that there. You yeah, see yeah. it, yeah. And but, Cyprus, too. Yeah. Of course, of course, but yeah. uh, but but in Antioch, in, in right, Turkey, right in Turkey, in Turkey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. That never happened again in Turkey, but uh, that was the but beginning that was of nice. the yeah. that was the beginning of the trip. In a way. It was, uh, <laughs> that's where we started. That's awesome. So it started mm. you off well. Yeah. Wow. And you you said that you had visited Hagia Sophia too. Yes, I visited Hagia Sophia twice during this trip. The first time uh, when I arrived in Turkey, I arrived in Constantinople, and I waited for the group to come. Uh, oh, okay. for overnight so uh, for two days maybe I don't remember how I arranged it okay. and I went to visit the Patriarchate uh, of Constantinople and then I uh, took a taxi they arranged a taxi for me from there 
Then I went to Hagia Sophia. I didn't go inside uh, this time. Okay. But I walked outside and I took pictures. Must have been amazing. And then, uh, yeah, it was it was very beautiful and very moving again. Kind mm -hmm. of, uh, my heart was kind of beating throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And um, and then the group came the next day. And then we flew to. Um, uh, south and west and outside of Antioch. Okay. And then we took a bus and the bus took us everywhere else. Everywhere else. else. <laughs> yeah. Except when we went to Patmos, we took a boat from Ephesus, from the Ephesus area, and went across um, to Patmos uh, for, I think, two, night, two nights maybe, and then came back to Turkey and then completed the trip going north okay. on the way to Constantinople. So the interesting thing for being in Turkey and, and, the, and the guide that we had on the bus, uh, he was a young man, uh, maybe in his early 30s, and he was very, he was willing to talk about anything, and I had a lot of conversations with him. Okay. Uh, of course, he was taking a very Turkish uh, uh, hard line of, <laughs> about all kinds of things, but I, I, I had him also, uh, in a way, question him on a, on a very honest basis, and I said to him, you you were alive when the invasion happened, or um, I think he might have been. Yeah, I don't remember. He was probably a small a small child. But mm. I said, how did the Turkish government convince the Turkish people that it was okay uh, for uh, them to invade and and sub and get their support? And the interesting thing he said is that there was there was weeks of um, basically propaganda through the TV. Uh, of showing things, bad things that the Cypriots have done to the Turkish Cypriots, the oh Greek gosh. Cypriots, the Turkish Cypriots in the past, and they they repeated, they repeated, they repeated every day, uh, that they aroused the the anger and the um, uh, whatever the fear of the uh, Turkish people that the Greek Cypriots are violent and and they will do worse worse things to the Turkish Cypriots than the things that happened in the past, because there were skirmishes among the Greeks and the Turks in Cyprus. For a long time. For yeah, for for the previous um, fourteen years, or at least ten years, mm. from nineteen sixty four on, and, uh, and that animosity was exploited by the Turkish government. So they would take they would take clips of like the side where the Tur where the Cypriots were. Yeah, yeah on the have, attack or defense or whatever. Pictures, they have pictures that would show mm. uh, things bad things that the Greek Cypriots had done, and they would show them over and over again until they convinced mm. everybody. This is the right thing to do, and then they invaded, mm. and they had the support. So they just the avoided showing the the Turkish shots. They just showed the Cypriot yeah. They didn't Greeks. show anything. The Turks did. Oh wow! To the Greeks, just the one know, side. Just, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a propaganda, and yeah. he he basically uh, explained that to me and ad admitted to it that uh, that he uh, you know that this is the way that they did it. You know, to convince. I mean, Germany kind of did the same thing too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really powerful <laughs> to yeah. use propaganda against your own people or to use it to to convince to your convince people your that people they need yeah. to kill somebody else. You know, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, wow. Hmm. So that was that was a big thing for me. Was, was that like privately? A, no, he was talking about it in the bus. You know? Oh wow! So yeah. in front of everybody, he kind of had that yeah, conversation yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we had a lot of conversations and kind of some arguments because he was taking some <laughs> positions, you know, especially about the people that were expelled. In 1922, you know, the millions of people, mm. millions of people. And and I, I even mentioned the Armenians and things like that. He would not he accept wouldn't that. He wouldn't touch that, yeah. He wouldn't touch that. He wouldn't accept any of that. And, of course, he he never admitted that they did anything bad. But everywhere we went, there were ruins. There were 
destroyed churches and destroyed homes. That he was showing you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. He, know, he would never admit that they did anything wrong. Hmm. But he was taking us to all the things that they were destroyed. So. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. There was one church, a huge church, from, it was built from the time of Justinian in uh, Philadelphia, which is mentioned in the Book of Revelation. It's one of the main churches. Okay. And the... And the uh, yeah, it's the book of Revelation, yeah. It might mention the book of Acts as well. Anyway, so we went to that, and the only thing left, okay, in the entire town, well, the only thing, Christian thing that we saw, was this huge cathedral built with stone. Okay. Uh, and the only part of it is is uh, standing is the apse of the uh, hero over the, the holy table. Okay, the altar. okay. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And... Um, and the rest of it is ruins, mm -hmm. and they built homes, and in the place where the altar was, there is a Turkish family living now. Wow. They kind of built their home into the ruins, and they live right over where the altar used to be. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Things like that. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, the things that we saw just makes you oh, hair wow. stand up, you know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. See, these... Um, uh, Pergamon was an amazing place again. Pergamon was um, the homes of the, the Greek Christians who left in 1922. They're still there. Uh, mm. The church has collapsed. Mm -hmm. And um, and there is an older church also collapsed, uh, which is from the time of Justinian again, a beautiful cathedral. Only the apses left. Mm. And Patriarch Bartholomew had recently done a liturgy in the ruins. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, mm. and the um, yeah, but the neighborhood where the Christians used to live, well, it was a totally Christian city actually. There were hardly any Turks, mm -hmm. but they expelled them all, and we walked through the streets, and the um, the names of the people who owned these homes are still inscribed on the uh, on the homes. Oh the wow! The full Greek names in Greek. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Some of the homes were renovated and there are Turkish families living in them. Some of them are still in ruins and sure. nobody's, uh, nobody's, nobody's uh, in them. In them, yeah. yeah. But uh, Pergamon was a moving experience too because of the ancient uh, ancient uh, history uh, with the uh, Temple of Asclepios and the, hmm. and the, um, uh, the Acropolis of um, uh, Pergamon, which is, it was basically taken by the Germans and brought and placed in a museum in Germany. Wow. Okay. <laughs> everybody has taken Yeah, them. everybody, yeah. 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 So the Germans have the entire, well, most of the Acropolis of, uh, mm -hmm. uh, of Pergamon. <laughs> and uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about ancient Greek history. I learned a lot about uh, Christianity. Yeah. In the process, we went to all kinds of places. Ephesus was amazing. Uh, we went to the tomb of... Uh, St. John the Evangelist on the Acropolis of uh, uh, Ephesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have his dormition tomorrow uh, on uh, on Saturday. So I was thinking about that recently. Oh, wow. Because um, <laughs> I venerated the tomb of St. John the Evangelist That's in so Ephesus. Cool. Yeah. Wow. There was a huge cathedral built by Justinian again. Mm -hmm. That's now today's ruins. There mm -hmm. are some, I think there's at least one ancient uh, papistry. Mm -hmm. So I took a lot of pictures 
of these things which you can't find anywhere else, you know, like the baptisteries, wow. for example. Yeah. The way they do them in the ground and they're crosswise. Well, I have to see them. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think I ever got to see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I will... Uh, yeah. Are those areas, the areas that you visited, like the where you were able to venerate a saint, which is a pretty big deal, um, are they owned by the Turkish government, those areas? Or like does the Orthodox Church have any control of that at all or no? Uh, the Orthodox Church has no control on anything because the Turks have taken everything from the church. Okay. Uh, because there are no Christian populations anymore. Um, so who owns it is, I don't know exactly what the situation is. Okay. But in Turkey... The uh, Turkish government has taken properties from Constantinople, in Constantinople, from the Patriarchate, from the church. They have taken 80% of their property in the last uh, 50, 50, 60 years. They've, wow. They've ripped them off completely. They, they oh, have man. this law that you, if you have a piece of property and you don't preserve it, okay, the government uh, takes it. But in order to do any preservation, any any repairs on a building, you need the permit from the government. So the, the church applies for permits to repair the buildings, and the government doesn't give it. They and deny then, the... Yeah, then after a period of time, they, they say, oh, it's been neglected, it. so it's ours yeah, yeah. now. They confiscate it, yeah. That's very tricky. That's the law in Turkey, and, and it's becoming stricter now. Wow. Uh, because they're... Anyway, we'll talk about the yeah. situation today. But yeah, yeah. But these are things I discovered over time as I looked into this more and more. Hmm. Uh, that the Turkish government is actually um, has been systematically taking away from the church everything that they that was left to them, uh, as the populations also uh, left because because the, the Christians in Constantinople were over a hundred thousand in 1955, mm -hmm. and there are probably around two thousand today. Wow. Okay. So that's a pretty big difference. They they forced them out. <clears throat> yeah. Pogrom, pogrom after pogrom. They forced them out and took their shops. They took their homes. Mm -hmm. uh, the only things that were left were the things that belonged to the church. Okay. Uh, so uh, there were properties. There were schools. There were uh, orphanages. There were all kinds of things. And the Turkish government keeps taking them away systematically using this law of re of repairing and lack of repairs or hmm. neglect. Uh, which they are basically uh, uh, faking it, you know, and in a way they're, they're kind of tricking them to. Yeah. And they confiscate their property. So that's another. So they have been um, condemned by the European court about this because the archons in America have uh, filed lawsuits with the European court mm -hmm. um, against Turkey about these confiscated uh, properties. And the court found out that uh, they had proof that the, the properties were taken away illegally. Wow. In a way, you know, by tricking them this way. And, um, and they, they were, the Turkish government has been condemned and asked to give back the properties. This was like four or five years ago. Okay. And they have not given anything back I was going to say, I don't think anything has changed since then. Yeah, because they really have no reason to uh, listen to the court. Nothing can happen to them. The court cannot... Uh, send the police and force them to do anything. You know, it's a, yeah. the European court is not has no power hmm. uh, unless the government of that country wants to abide by the rules. But Turkey doesn't care, so they, they're not going to abide by anything. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So, so some things became more clear about the policies of Turkey, but uh, I, I love the people of Turkey, I have to say. I mean, they were very kind. And uh, wherever you went, I mean, 
I looked at them and they looked like us. I mean, a lot uh-huh. of them are, a lot of them, I mean, I saw somebody in a restaurant at some point in Kostanova, I said, this looks like my brother. <laughs> he looks so much like Theo Theodor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and other places too. I mean, mm. there, there were some that looked more, looked more like um, Asian, they had Asian characteristics or those Turkish characteristics with bent noses and things like that. Right. But most of them look like us. And there is good reason for that. I think that uh, the Turkish people are mixed people. They're uh, what they did during the 400 years with the Greeks. They took their children and made. They took the girls and brought them to the harems. Yeah. And they made them their wives, and yeah. they made had children with them. Mm-hmm. They took the boys and made the Janissary force. Mm-hmm. And when those kids eventually might have gotten married, uh, they had children. They they could have married uh, Turkish, uh, you know ethnically Turkish women and they and they had children. So I think that probably half the Turkish people, even more of them, would be half Greek. <laughs> yeah. Blood wise. Yeah. In, in yeah. Race wise, but mm-hmm. uh, uh DNA wise. But uh but the people in Greece are not mixed like that. They're more you know I mean you go to Peloponnesus and they're ninety seven percent Greek. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, the mixture happened in, in what, what Turkey is in today. the Turkish area. Yeah, what yeah. it is because the Muslims would take the girls and marry them and make them Muslims, but the Christians would not take Muslims and make them their wives. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's why we probably all look alike. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. they they look like us in so uh-huh. many different ways. I mean, you there are some there's some differences where, and yeah, stuff. There's yeah. Some differences because you know there's isolation too. But yeah. But a lot of them looked like us, and they were very kind everywhere I went. There was nobody who spoke to me in a bad way. Or, That's good. Um, and I was always—I always looked like a priest. I was always <laughs> wearing the priestly clothes. Yeah. And people would probably stare at me, but then they would look away. And, uh, <laughs> uh, nobody like confronted you or said anything to you. No, 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 nothing, nothing. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't know how it would be today if I went to Turkey. So I don't know. That was person. back in two thousand one, so I don't know what would happen now. But yeah. yeah. I may go back someday, so we'll see. <laughs> Maybe. I would like <laughs> to go. And test it and see what happens. Right, yeah. <laughs> Not by yourself, though. <laughs> go with the group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it would be it would be very cool to go and, and to see some of those places if we're still allowed to go see those places, if they're still public. I, I mean, I don't know what's different now compared to 2001, but uh, other than what happened to Hagia Sophia, that was a big thing. But Hagia Sophia was converted to a mosque. Um, after being a museum since 1931, mm-hmm. 33 or whatever, uh, it was, of course, uh, a mosque between 1453 and 1933. Uh, then it became a museum under Ataturk, who wanted to uh, use it as a heritage, heritage site, and it was declared a World Heritage Site uh, protected uh, by mm-hmm. the World uh, Organization. Um, and of course, they supplied Turkey with lots of money to fix it and and repair it and preserve it. And now they turned into mosque. So they yeah. and they also turned into mosque another church that was a museum since that time, uh, the Church of Hora, dedicated to Christ. Where is that one? That's in Constantinople as well. Okay. And they are turning other places, uh, churches in other places, into mosques that were not being used as mosques since I didn't know that. Hmm. since the 1930s. Um, so there is a. It's a government uh, plan and the government uh, policy to do this now that um, the president, the current president, Erdogan, is applying and challenging everybody and challenging the world and challenging Greece and challenging Cyprus and challenging the United States and 
in the European Union. He's challenging everybody. So I'm not sure where this will end. But um, if it will end, I don't know. Yeah, we'll I see. I, I suspect that if he if he continues like this, this uh, this is like a road to uh, destruction for him and for the country, for his country. So. I'm not going to go into prophecies now. There are plenty of prophecies about the destruction of Turkey at some point, but I'm not going to go into that. No. Because I don't I don't know. I'm we not don't sure. really know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, but you did get to see Hagia Sophia at that time. I, get, I got to get into Hagia Sophia. Um, we spent um, several hours. I brought a lot of pictures back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a museum at that time, it yes? It was a museum at that time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I paid uh, $17 to get in. Really? Seventeen years. Well, dollars. I guess because it was a museum, they could charge yeah, <laughs> somebody yeah. they, to go they, in. They generate a lot of money from it, so I'm not sure what. Interesting. Yeah, what they're doing because, by going to mosque. Yeah, see? I don't think they are charging anything for no, visitors if they want no. to, but it is a mosque where Muslims can worship now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So when you came back to Cyprus after you visited Turkey, unless you have another specific story from Turkey. But when you came back and visited, how how was it to come back to Cyprus and, and talk to Yaya? <laughs> what did you tell Yaya? Because she was scared you were going to be hurt. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the most difficult part was that um, for a, a few days I could not call uh, from where I was because I was in more places. I even had my cell phone from Cyprus really? with me and I tried to call directly. And you couldn't? I could get a signal actually from Cyprus. Because Cyprus is only 40 miles away. Wow, but it could, okay. And I, and I tried to call a couple of times and I couldn't <laughs> sustain the signal. Uh, so oh, it failed. wow. So finally when I, I, I was able to, to call, you know, I told them I was safe, I was good. Yeah. So they were not worried about too much. But, but I think my mother was praying all along 17 days <laughs> for my safety. And maybe mm. that helped a lot in the, yeah. in the way things developed. So maybe. Mm. Wow. So did you find any did you find any peace or anything through that process? Or do you think that came on later in your life? Or how is how was it processing that? Because now you went to both countries. You're in Cyprus and you went to Turkey. So yeah. you were faced with a lot. Yeah. The, at this point, 2001, I had not crossed the border into the Turkish occupied part of Cyprus yet. So it was um yeah, the experience was very raw in the, and the feelings were very raw with respect to what happened to Cyprus. And I think that um, it was a process for me to be with Turks, knowing what they had done to us. And in that process, I, ha- I, I was able to uh, kind of reason out this as a... Um, the Turkish people themselves are not responsible for the, for the atrocities that the Turk the Turkish Turks had done, did. the Turkish government had done to Cyprus yeah. and the killings and the destruction that they brought about. So I began to see the Turkish people more as human beings like us instead of an enemy. Mm. So that helped me a lot in the process of my finding peace. And um, and you cannot really find forgiveness until you find peace. So forgiveness is something that God gives as a gift eventually as your heart finds peace. And mm. I think the trip to Turkey was a, a milestone in that process for me of finding peace that leads to forgiveness. Hmm. And forgiveness for me does not mean that I will forget what happened. I lived it. It's still raw in my mind and my right, heart. Right, right. But it's the, I have no hatred for Turks, for example. I have no anger against the Turks. 
for what happened in Cyprus. Um, I do get anger against the Turkish policies and Turkish sure. government in some way. But if I met a Turk today or any time, I will I will love them. I will feel like um, if he was kind to me, I would say he's a friend. You know, I mean, yeah, of course, can be with anybody, yeah, with anybody. And I like told that. you I had Turkish boys that were that were, that were friends, friends, yeah, during uh, during uh, middle school, high school. So for me, it was like um, going to Turkey and meeting Turks. It was like going back to my childhood years of having Turkish friends, hmm. because when you're with uh, especially the guide and others too, when you're with people for a long time. The bus driver was very kind. He didn't speak in English, but he was very kind <laughs> to us too. Yeah. And um, and so so the process of uh, finding peace began with the trip to Turkey. The exposure to others was very good. Mm. To the Turks was very good in that sense of helping me to find peace with them, with the people. Mm. So I I have no uh, ill will in me about, against Turkish people. I have no um, anger against them. I have no. Mm. Uh, desire to take revenge or anything like that i yeah, i'm very peaceful with regard to the people yeah i i'm not happy when i see what their government is doing and i know that most of them don't even know or understand what their government is doing even if there are some people who agree i think most of the people are peaceful people like yeah. the rest of us yeah and they go about their own business and they want to take care of their families and right and they don't want to do harm to anyone mm-hmm. um there must be fanatics too. There, are, we know there sure. are fanatics too. But I didn't meet any fanatics, so I, That's I cannot good. really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good. Okay. Well, I mean, I I wasn't expecting anything like. Yep. Now everything's forgiven and we're fine. I wasn't expecting. It. I think this is very. This is much more difficult than something well, uh, like that. I, I think that uh, going going uh, to the occupied part of Cyprus uh, in two thousand three or four. I don't remember the mm-hmm. first time when you went by yourself, right? Well, I went with a group again, a similar group. Oh, yeah, but yeah. not with us. You not went with, with you, us I, later. Yeah, I went yeah. with you later. But I, the first time I went was with a group from Canada again, the right. students from the same group, hmm. the same university. Uh, not the same students, but students from the same university. Yeah. And the professor, and we and we went to my hometown. We went to the church where I grew up. We went to the cemetery. And, of course, you know, my heart was broken again. Yeah. Uh, far worse than going through Turkey because hmm. now I was on familiar ground. I, I yeah. looked for the homes of those that I knew. Uh, yeah. Most of them are destroyed, leveled off. The church has been destroyed. The the graves of, uh, of my grandparents and and um, others that I knew were smashed and and, mm-hmm. uh, and the marble pieces were thrown into a pile yeah. with the marble crosses. So that, that really was heartbreaking for me and um, but again, we had a uh, like a Turkish Cypriot guide who was very kind and mm-hmm. and he was um, a very calming presence. Aww. And he kind of cried with us in a way when yeah. we looked at all. They suffered too. Yeah. yeah, and the Turkish Cypriots suffered from all of this too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they were not approving. They're not approving of any of the destruction and any of the hatred that was shown right. by whoever shown the hatred. And they... So... So, you know, over time, you know, going through through Turkey, coming back, going going and visiting and finding, um, uh, you know, finding or seeing in person, touching the rocks and touching mm. things that were destroyed, um, in a way brought me into the reality of what really happened. And um, 
and help me to come to peace with what happened. Hmm. I am not putting it behind me. This is always going to be in my mind. Yeah. But um, I think in my heart, I again concluded one more time that whoever does things like that is a dehumanized person who brings destruction and kills and, and does harm. Yeah. And that um, um, may God have mercy on them and may God uh, forgive them because uh, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But I have... Um, I have found more peace with with this in the sense of uh, not wanting to take revenge. Not to, like soon after we left, you know, I want to go back and fight them and do whatever. I don't have any of that. Soon after we left, what do you yet. mean? Soon after we left? In 1974, when, when it we happened. Left our homes, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Of course. Well, it was fresh then. It was like very fresh yeah, then, and yeah. but, but it had that, just happened. Yeah, yeah. I have more peace with that, and and I understand that we're in the hands of God. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, some somehow God allowed this which changed our lives. But then again, many of us have come to God through the process. So I think that uh, in the grand scheme of things, in God's providence, uh, even the evil things that happen to us can be turning to good if we turn our hearts to God. So that's the way I look at this, and I find peace in that. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of a silly question. I know the answer to it, but I, I wonder if anybody else has the same question. Obviously, when all of that happened in 74 and even later in years, because I've heard this question before, um, I don't think anything about mental health was ever brought up in your life in the sense of like, you should go to therapy for that or anything like that. You found a lot of comfort in in praying and kind of being with your family and yeah. Yeah, you did. It's not you didn't, and not that I don't advocate for therapy, obviously, but you didn't go to therapy, and you were you found peace in a different way. Yes, uh, I never went to therapy. I don't know that anybody in those days understood therapy as we understand today. Yeah, I don't think that there were any people in Cyprus that could actually offer therapy. Yeah, and offer therapy to two hundred thousand people. Yeah, um, yeah. Nobody even suggested such a thing. Okay. Um, I was, uh, I think I was depressed for a couple of years, the first couple of years after the invasion. I was depressed to a certain level. I saw that, I knew that, I understood that. Okay. I walked around like a zombie the first year, especially mm. on the grounds of the school in mm-hmm. Lucosia. Um, and, and nobody there even asked us, you know, how we're feeling or what was happening to us or whatever. And nobody. I don't think they had the tools or the understanding. Yeah, or, or the resources to do anything about it. the resources like to do anything about it. Yeah. Um, my, my grades suffered uh, at the English school. My grades suffered uh, during the last two years. I was mm. in my A-levels. I think my grades suffered. I could have gotten A's. I got B's instead. Yeah. So that was a repercussion of the invasion uh, on me, a personal repercussion in that direct way, on my studies and my learning. Um and after that, I came to the United States. Well, I went into the military, of course, you know, those uh, two years, mm-hmm. different years. But after that, I came to the United States and I immersed myself in uh, in working and studying. And, you know, I mean, there was no time to think about <laughs> yeah. anything else. Yeah, I stayed away from demonstrations, uh, political demonstrations against uh, Turkey or anything like that. I, I just didn't want to even think about it. Mm. The, the way for me to find healing was to kind of stay away from it. And then I was surrendering to God in a way over and over again. 
because my heart was broken for so many years and right but it then still is in some way you know i mean I'm, of course i'm and not fully healed in that way and i never will be because i was gonna say i don't think there is a, a yeah. fullness of healing necessarily yeah. in this process yeah. but i mean so it's like during that time there was a lot of avoiding those things so you wouldn't think about it yeah. which is totally normal but then i mean when you went back to cyprus and you went to turkey there was no avoiding Yes, I confronted it. You then. confronted yeah. it then, and you yeah. made the decision to confront it. Yes, really. that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So that I made the decision to confront it, and that is what helped me to kind of move forward and uh, get past the anger, get past the mm. the um, uh, whatever else emotions may have been, uh, which were more heightened, and kind of find more peace. Mm. So if I think of it today, I have more peace about it about what happened and I kind of feel the presence of God in everything even in the adversities that happened yeah and that's the way I'm looking at it mm-hmm. um, as I said I will never forget it it's always in my mind <laughs> of course yeah well I, would, but I, I don't, don't think... think about it on a daily basis I'm right. you know, only when I'm reminded and um, yeah 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 I think the most difficult thing for me today to look at is uh, what Turkey the Turkish government is doing today um, Basically, reinvading uh, the, the the waters of Cyprus, mm-hmm. trying to take away um, resources that were discovered of, to this uh, day. Like natural this is gas. This modern. Happening right this is happening right now. It's yeah. happening right now, and yeah. uh, and there is an uproar in Europe against them. The Greek government, the Cypriot government, is uh, filing uh, <laughs> complaints against them. The European yeah. Court, in the European Union, mm-hmm. in the in the United Nations, and nobody's listening. So. That to me is most is more concerning uh, today about the uh, the aggressive behavior of Turkey. Mm. I have more um, concern about that than anything else. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we, you know. Well, obviously, you found peace. You're finding peace. I think that's a constant process. But yeah. um, what's happening in current times does not help uh, the situation and doesn't help the way we feel about it. Yeah. And it, and it is upsetting to witness. Uh, for all of us, I think, obviously not not even just for Cypriots, for Greeks, for for people in Europe, it's upsetting. It's upsetting to see what's going on. But yeah. the point is, is to to find a way to heal and to go through that process of healing. Yeah. And that's what you're doing, and you've been doing, and and I think you've done a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, with God's grace, you know. I mean, I I always, and more so now, and since I became a priest, I surrendered these to the hands of God every time I am. Uh, disturbed by anything, I surrender to the hands of God. I see what Turkey, the Turkish government is doing today, violating um, and, and challenging the Greeks and, and kind of challenging them to, 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 to shoot at their boats and shoot at their planes that are violating airspace and violating the Greek waters. And they're, and they're, they're actually provoking. They're provoking. provoking. Yeah, they're provoking for war. And, and I'm worried about that. And, I, and again, what I do is I surrender it to God and I say, Lord, have mercy on your people. Protect us, protect the people that are affected by this. Yeah. And don't allow this to, to go any further because there's something crazy behind uh, What's wanting, going on? wanting war. There's something very crazy and evil yeah. about uh, wanting war. And I, I agree. And I feel for the people that will be uh, in, the, in the middle of that. Yeah. In, who in will the, suffer. The crossfire. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess we will end it here. <laughs> um, if we feel like doing another episode at any time, we will. So this won't be the total end, but it will be – technically, it's the last episode of our season, of our talk about this. But we may come back and discuss things if we feel like it or if you guys have questions. 
Um, but thanks for listening, everybody. And hopefully we'll uh, continue this process and you guys keep telling your friends and sharing the story. I think it's really important for people to know what happened and what's happening now um, to kind of get away from our own bubble of safety to kind of know what's happening. Um, and thanks, Ba, for telling us your story. <laughs> You're welcome, Libya. And thank you to, to the people listening to this. Yeah. Um, I don't know what uh, the contribution is exactly, but whatever <laughs> it is, I would say that um, for me, in the end, the world is difficult mm-hmm. because there are difficult powers and, and forces that are functioning in the world which affect us. And uh, we need to turn our lives to God. Um, to find um, the comfort and peace and, uh, and the strength to get through the difficulties. And that's that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.